chance, one life, one take. Little room for mistake. Who do you Welcome want to be? Dead Funny, Dead Serious. Who this is the series 30 End of Life Doulas in 30 Days. My name is Mitzi. I'm the host of the series. Uh, today's End of Life Doula is Lashana Williams. Welcome, Lashana. Thank you. So Lashana is, um, your business is anatariswellness.com. Yeah, Antares. Antares. Oh, I always get it wrong. Antares Wellness, and you are based in Seattle, Washington. All right, we're going to dive right in, uh, and you can tell everybody about yourself, your lovely self, and we're going to start with why. Why did you get into this? I I sort of just came into it. Um, I'm a massage therapist, and through that work, a lot of my clients were you know, older and in care facilities. And I started to notice the lack of touch that was happening. The lack of touch that was like a kind and and one-way giving um, because everything was like, here, let me take your temperature. Does this hurt? What does this feel like? Everything was really investigative. Investigative? I think that's the right word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with it for now. <laughs> yeah, go with it. And it just, it was a bummer. Like one, there was no, like, there was just no relationship in there. And not saying that there was no relationship between the people, but with the touch and like everything else, when you see something and you can't unsee it, I choose to to do something about it. Um, And so I started volunteering with hospice. So I volunteered with hospice for for a massage um, and just started working that way, letting care facilities know that I would, you know, I can come in one day a month and do some volunteer touch for folks who who don't get to see people. Um, And I started just doing that and um, was introduced to Ashley, Benham, who was the founder of A Sacred Passing. And I got to study under Ashley for a few years. And she she taught a model of being a death doula that I I really appreciate being like a foundation for me to, to grow and to learn from. Great. Can you say a little bit more about the model and what would that look like at that time? Yeah. At that time it was it was really structured. Um, and it was very like these are the things that a doula does. And it started with just really holding space, being present. How do you, how are you, how do you physically move when you're present? Like, what is your body language? What are you saying to people in the room? How are you holding the room? Who are you there for? Working on how, how do you show up for the dying? What are the ways? What are the ways that you as an individual human are good at, right? And, and then some specifics around like our Washington laws. What can we do? What can't we do? Where are the resources? You know, just so teaching me actual science of, of death. Okay, you have two hours to, to do this. You know, do this after, you know, between four and six hours. Some certain things like just around like the ways that the body um, breaks down after death and things to be aware of if you're doing a home wake or a home funeral. Um, ways to keep the the body safe and cool, yeah. Just the the rules effectively, yeah. and I and I really I appreciate that. It's I, I appreciate you sharing that with us um, because it is a kind of a different path than what I've heard so far, right? Where it's a very structured path. Once you worked with Ashley, where did that go? We're kind of moving into how did you get to where you are today, which is quite far. Mm-hmm. I started just I, through my volunteer work and through community education with Ashley. I just started meeting people and, and caring for folks through and with her. And then when she decided to go to nursing school, she gave me the nonprofit. So my doula work slowed a little bit 
and my education work increased. And so the ways that I was engaging in death and dying was much more about education. And so it took me about a year to get the nonprofit back in like steady feet after the move. Um, and then I was able to sort of refocus on my private work and take and take clients again. Right. Um, and the nonprofit we're speaking of, I just want to make sure it's a sacred passing, correct? Yes. Yeah. Dot org? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And Thanks. all these will be in the show notes as well, but I want to make sure everyone knows because a lot of good information on there, right? Your education, it's part of the education work of having that nonprofit. It really is. Yeah. Community, community death care and education, which is like, it's the root of my work. Even even my private work. More of the education piece? The community care. Yeah. Mm, say more. Say more about that. Yeah. Um, my, my doula work is not how I make my living. Uh, I make my living through massage therapy and through art um, and through making wonderful magical concoctions from my garden bounty. So I don't, I don't rely on my doula work for income. So everything I do is sliding scale. I like most of the time I have to cover my gas. And I say most of the time because there have been times when my gas was not covered. And my, when my partner listens to this, he'll be like, oh, hello. No, your gas isn't covered. <laughs> um, so I got to be like, uh, most of the time I, I have to cover my gas. And that's like as low as I, as, as I can go. Can't do that all the time. But right. I haven't had a situation where I've had to say no because life has, has given me things in a manageable pace where I can say yes. And people who can pay me, they pay me. I don't have to ask. I don't have to. Yeah, it's just, it's not a struggle. But because it's not where I make my money, I don't have to rely on it um, and and sort of like keep up with, I got to get a client. I don't have a client, you know, like that hustle. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that's just so important uh, for listeners to hear the idea that uh, that's really across the board. There's not very many end of life doulas that are making a full career out of it. And I think that's important to say at this point in time, right? We're, we're recording this in um, early April, 2021. We're coming from COVID a, a really hard year for end of life, anything, the world Shit for life, anything Shit for life, right? It is. It was just the hardest year. And you know, looking that we're rounding this corner and hopefully getting bedside again and people are listening to this. And if they're aspiring end of life doulas, I think that these are important things to understand is community care and what that means, why it means, and, you know, how are we going to balance these, these things, having a career and also being called to do this work. And I think you just explained it very, very well. So thank you. <laughs> You know, you did a lot of, it sounds like, hands-on work to get your education. And is there anything else that helped you learn what you learned? I mean, I, I feel like I learn from everything. Everything teaches me about death. I've taken a bunch of end-of-life trainings um, after I got, after a sacred passing was was passed on to me. I needed to understand so there's two levels for a sacred passing and people would be like, oh, I want to I want to register for level two. I've done this. I don't need level one. And I was like, no, sorry. They kind of go together. And then I was like, well, shut your mouth, Lashana. Like, go figure out what these people know. Maybe they don't need level one. Like, who are like, go, go see, go learn. And so I took a couple of I took three courses from other people around their end of life training. Holy shit. There's a lot out there. The only 
the only other school that I found that I felt comfortable with was going with Grace. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. And, and the way that going with Grace engages in death and dying was, was also like from all these different spots and not linear. And I was so appreciative of it. Yeah. And it just, it, yeah, that was, that was one training that I was like, okay, shit. Like it was fun and I grew in it yeah. and, and I appreciated it. Thank you for sharing the positive aspect of that as well. And was that online or was that in person? It was online. It was online. Okay. Yeah. And it was still and, that beneficial. Yeah. And it was before things were online. So I was like all up in my, oh, this is online. Let's see. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I was like, I had all my shit in my head and had to like put it in a box and it was fucking amazing. And then I went to, because I'm naming names. And then I went to an Anelda in person training and was like, mortified and it took me weeks to recover from the conference or the yeah. weekend you know yeah. um and so and I was like oh this that's okay this will be in person and I'm gonna meet people and even the amazing people that I met didn't give me space enough to recover from the information that I had absorbed and so yeah. like I had ill prepared myself for the trainings like if I had just swapped yeah out. it is it's so different they're they're all so different um, yeah. And I think it's really important that we share what we have experienced from them, right? Everyone is different and all these trainings are different and everyone needs a different level of care and everyone's a different kind of doula. But I think it's important to hear what people experience. And thank you for. Yeah, we need to like shake that, that the, the stigma and the shame that like corp like capitalism has given us to like not give this feedback about these organizations or trainings. Like that's fair. It's totally fair. Let's talk about it. Because if we talk about it, things change. And maybe this organization will be like, oh, shit, we didn't think about that. Let's learn and grow. But for as long as people are like, no, we can't say anything bad about anything. Shit ain't going to change. Sorry, I'm sailor yeah. today. No, I love I love sailors. I love swearing so much. We'll just lay all of it on the line. I had taken the Anelda training before and we actually spoke about it before you took the training. Because, you know, I was like, uh, I don't know, you know, it's more about listening about being a good listener. I didn't, you know, I kind of shared that with you that I thought you had a lot of experience before that, but it, I took it because I also was like, all these people are taking this training. What do they know? Um, I'm not an end of life doula. I've said that on multiple episodes now, like I work side by side. And if my clients, uh, grief clients and, and the dying want an end of life doula, I wanted to know who I was referring to, what they knew why they knew it, why they're doing things, right? Because it's part of the ethics. It's part of making sure that people are cared for and reducing death trauma, which I'm completely with you. We do have to shake off the shame and, and share our experience. Uh, it doesn't mean anything is, you know, inherently wrong. And they're all, I mean, they're just so different. But if we don't share experience, if we don't grow and learn and, and adjust these methods that are happening, what are, what are we going to do? Where, where are we going to be there? I mean, I think you're really just, we went straight into challenges and hope. <laughs> yeah. We kind of just rolled it all together because I think it, it's more complicated than just being like, these are my X challenges. These are my hopes for this career. But now we're there. So do you have any specific challenges you'd like to share about getting clients, being with people? You know, challenges are are finding, initially finding an, like a nice collective to work with, other people to work in community with. Is this work to do alone? It's not, this is me from my own point of view. It's not healthy for me to do the kind of work that I do alone. 
Um, if I was a doula who did paperwork, I could do that by myself. If I was a doula who made legacy projects, I might be able to do that by myself. But the kind of work that I do, it's just, it's not done well by myself. Um, sitting a vigil, sh you know, changing shifts and, and fully supporting folks. So finding a crew of folks to run with that, that you have like the same core beliefs that are willing to to like share knowledge and learning and and community and who like who really care about each other it has been the most difficult part. Found it, found a couple <laughs> actually. Yeah. Like yeah, I don't. It, it it took a it took a little bit, but it it's happening. And my hopes, man, I want a company to hire my ass. <laughs> I want someone to hire me. I don't want individuals to pay for my care. I want a company to do that. Mm -hmm. Like I am absolutely okay with that. Like if someone were to hire me and I could go do the things, I would be really happy. And I would like to see that. I think if there was like, with all of the other shifts and change that are happening, I really think that it's an opportunity for the medical world. It sounds so stupid because it's grown by white men. And to think that this is a possibility is like, whatever, Lashana. But to pause and to like realize if COVID taught us all these things, one of those things is how important non-medical support is in a person's life. So understanding and learning that through the absence, the straight up absence of all outside folks. Now, when we can move back into this, how, do, how does the medical profession welcome that and honor its importance? And not meet it with arrogance and and like you know looking down their nose. It's an it's an opportunity for growth and it's an opportunity to improve their care. But they need to get the fuck out of their way. Elua always tells me, "Get out of your way, Lashana. Get the fuck out of your way." <laughs> and so I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you know what? You need to talk to Elua. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. The medicalization of of death and dying has been. It's a hard fight, right? I'm over on the other side. I'm on the grief and loss side and they medicalize grief through insurance. And what is that? What are we doing? Yes. How do you diagnose um, what what grief looks like, right? And I think that you're a strong advocate for this. And I appreciate that. I'm not sharing a lot of my, my opinions on this show, but that's one of them. So just whatever, keep it um, in the public because it, we do have to come together in some sense to start advocating for this and really pushing because yeah someone should hire you <laughs> i hope this is like an earwig and like gets in someone's ear and yeah. starts that ball rolling it, it just takes like this one moment and we are rounding this corner and hopefully there's a push like you said like yeah. all these changes are happening what what can what can this look like yeah and just a softening and an opening um there's so many ways that we know that we can do better. And I'm not sure why, not sure why we're, why we can't. I know what stops us, but I also know like. Yeah, yeah. I saw in your face, uh, if anyone's watching this on YouTube, you can see, you know, but I'll just explain it to anyone listening to the podcast. Like, I was like, you know why, you do know why. <laughs> she said she didn't know why, but she knows why. <laughs> Truth. Oh. where we are so we are i love that a softening we do um as we're working with with the humans yeah. like there's a softening and if we can just translate that into whoever yeah. needs to hear it yep um this care is community care in general is is what we need like when we're all standing by each other and doing just a little bit so the day so because we're recording this today 
I would be extremely remiss not to say that um, the George, George Floyd murder trial is, is being aired on television. And some of the portions that have, been, that have, shown, have been shown um, were of bystanders. And each person saying a little bit, but all of those people saying a little bit was, was a lot. And, and that pause of those people to stay there. Each individual feeling like I didn't do enough was, some, was, was community caring, right? It's people stopping, pausing, stepping out of their own self and caring for another. And so it's not just death work. It's everything. It's everything. That softening, like, this is like a whole nother podcast, but it's <laughs> that softening is, is it's, it doesn't, it can't just happen in one spot. Yeah. It needs to it, it it needs to happen like with us collectively. I thought for a little bit like the moments of collective grief that people on earth were sharing would be like almost like a little bit harmonious to where there would be like a shift is what I'm seeing in my head, right? Like that's what I just see something like the perfect pitch and then something happens like some sci-fi movie. But humans are stubborn. Yeah, I think that's the understatement of this experience that we've had in the last year and all this grief, all this, it's disenfranchised at this point to a point that how do we have a softening of it, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's becoming hardened in a way. Here we are having this conversation to hopefully open up a little bit of space and, and share it. Yep. Thank you for going going there and keeping that on this podcast. I think that's really important. and. It, it needs to be spoken about and it needs those people that witnessed this experience with George Floyd. We have to just remember them as well. And again, death trauma um, and all these people, this is systemic um, in, in their families, in their communities, in the whole world now, because we're all watching this, like this is bigger and wider and we do have to hold them and each other. And that's, that's, that's torture. You, you don't, you know, that's, those are actual torture tactics to sit and watch people be murdered. Yeah, Those people need community care too. Every single one of those people need a little like circle and, you know, like love around them, supporting them. And I hope so much yeah. that they do. I hope that, yeah, they have everything they need um, mm -hmm. and more. Mm -hmm. You always, we always go there and I appreciate you showing up. Uh, like you do for the work, for podcasts, <laughs> for, <laughs> uh, she didn't know that she was going to be on, on video today. So you showed up for that too. <laughs> With my spring cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to thank you again for being here. And we're going to continue conversations because these are just also gosh darn important. Find all of Lashana's information in the show notes. Uh, Lashana Williams, say the name of your company again, because I screwed up. Yeah. Antares Wellness. And Tari's wellness. Also, the Pro Collective um, is that dot org. Uh, it is yes, ProCollective.org, uh, and then a Sacred Passing dot org. So you're going to be able to find those, and then also everywhere: Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. Thank you for being here, all the people listening or watching this. Um, if you're enjoying the series, it would mean the world to us if you like it, share it 
leave a review, whatever the heck it is. It just tells us to make more of these, that this is important and this conversation matters and that you're dedicated to this conversation of ethical end-of-life care. Uh, and after that, go ahead and hop on over and like us on Instagram and TikTok and be part of that conversation because, I don't know, we think that it's funny and we're just going to continue that. And that is everything for today. Uh, we will see you in the next episode.